Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We show the agony, the uncertainty Vice President Pence had. There's this one scene in the book that still stays with me in our reporting. He's with President Trump on January 5th, hours before the insurrection, and President Trump has this temptation of power. Wouldn't it be cool, he says to Vice President Pence, to have the power to decertify an election? So that's Robert Costa, who wrote the book along with Bob Woodward, called The Peril, and they are doing their first interview today with George Stephanopoulos on Good Morning America, and clips will be coming out throughout the show. Um, uh, I feel like the whole Millie contacting China, taking control of the nuclear weapons story has been talked into a stalemate where, uh, depends on who you believe. I mean, I don't know what you do at this point. If, uh, if, if the reporting in the book is accurate, uh, something hinky happened, but... If the pushback from the Pentagon is hap- is accurate, then things were fine. So I don't know what you're supposed to do at this point. Yeah, and you'd, again, as I made the point last week, you'd have to know the specific words used. You can't characterize those conversations uh, sloppily and then leap to conclusions about how angry you ought to be. Words matter. Specific words matter. So enough of that. Yeah. So the New York Times inter- or, uh, review on uh, Saturday night, I always read the book review on Saturday night. And um, Well, aren't you highfalutin? Uh, I get my drink on, watch football. <laughs> um, uh, their review was not super kind. They didn't seem to think the book was that interesting outside of the stuff that you've heard. One um, scenario that got my attention, though, was Pence, before January 6th, was reaching out to a lot of people saying, is there any wiggle room here? Is there anything I can do? Because he was pretty certain he there wasn't anything he could do, and he was getting a lot of pressure from Trump to you know to not certify the election. So he was going to everybody, and I, it's being uh, portrayed by some people as cowardice on his part. I think he was just a guy. Look, my boss is putting me on a lot of pressure. Am, am I wrong or am I wrong here? That there's nothing I can do, and everybody was telling him exactly the same thing. No, there's there's only one thing you can do, and so I don't know. I think he was just. Dotting I's and crossing T's, it sounds like to me. Yeah, I saw some of that cowardice stuff, and I really, I wasn't buying it. I mean, he was in an impossible position. He's, you know, he's a very kind of milk toast conservative guy, and he's got a boss who Trump. Trump's greatest strength was that he didn't give a crap, and his greatest weakness was that he didn't give a crap because sometimes he should have given a crap about you know the institutions he was harming and the rest of it, and. I don't know. Pence Pence is uh, going to retire. He's going to write a book. No, maybe. he's, he's going to lead Bible study. He's running for president. Oh boy, yeah, he's going to run, which which makes it all the more interesting. Um, Pence running, Chris Christie running. So I, the, the, they have a full head of steam, or they're going to run against Trump. I don't know what that's going to look at look like. Anyway, that's that's a while away. But the the one interesting thing was so uh, Pence is from Indiana, so he goes back to Indiana. The biggest political star from the olden days out of Indiana is former vice president of Dan Quayle. And he goes mm. and he meets with Dan Quayle and he says to Dan Quayle, look, is there anything I can do? You're vice president. You know how this whole thing works. Is there any other way? And, and Dan Quayle said, what are you talking about? No, there's no, there's no wiggle room on this. Pence specifically asked, is there any wiggle room? He said, no, zero wiggle room. There is no wiggle room on this. All you can do is go in and certify the election. So that's what he did. 
that rock of gravitas and reliability, Dan Quayle, <laughs> came through. Right, and Dan Quayle was, you know, a joke for a lot of people back in the day, but it just shows you, you were talking a little bit ago, does it feel like everything's falling apart? That's where we are now. You go to a guy like Dan Quayle, and Dan Quayle is from the, you know, the before times. I don't know when the, <laughs> what, what, when, it, when it changed, but in the before times, where yeah. none of this stuff was even considered. And he's saying, no, no, it's not an option. No, of course not. It does feel like the societal compact, the social compact is crumbling. It just the, the, the agreements we all had about Western civilization. Well, you have virtually all of academia trying to check, or to chuck rather, Western civilization to get rid of this incredible miracle we have wrought of orderliness, yet liberty, you know, of scientific development, feeding the hungry, curing the sick. The rest, it's a miracle, and it's being rejected by halfwits on college campuses. You know, we you ought to force them to live in the third world for for a year. Man, I was just reading about. Oh my God! There's this giant refugee camp. They got like sixty-two thousand people there in the outskirts of Iraq slash Syria, and it's when when ISIS fell. And a lot of the, the fighters got killed. The old men and the women and the children in particular had to go somewhere, but they're loyal ISIS people. So they stuck him in this refugee camp. And you see pictures of it, and all the gals are in the beekeeper outfit, the jet black, the slits for the eyes. That's all you can see. And evidently, this, uh, this refugee camp has become this hellhole of murder and, and, and intrigue where the hardcore ISIS gals will will carry out you know they'll they, they got their robes on you can't see their face well they got a big old knife under there and in the middle of the night you get your throat slit Oof. and the guards don't know what to do and, and nobody knows what to do these gals just say we want to go back home to Iraq or Syria and then they get home to Iraq or Syria and all the people in their town are like what are you doing here you are hardcore isis you killed us we hate you we hate you and your granddad and we hate your little kid we hate you and so that is the absence of western civilization and you think you and your college professor are going to get some sort of utopia going and it's not going to degenerate into that come on wake up speaking of refugees lots of people at the border the biden administration is going to send the haitians back to haiti it looks like but anyway we've got a reporter on the border later this hour you Stay know i think it that. was uh, political theorist uh, theorist uh, tom petty who pointed out you don't have to live like a refugee that's what he claimed has anybody played that song for them a quick look at the emmys from last night the big winners were the crown the Queen's Gambit. And, Hello! And, and two queens, two in a row. And Ted Lasso taking a whole bunch of uh, awards. And here's the Ted Lasso crew backstage celebrating. I don't know. Is she referring to, uh, is there? there. He's is there. there. He's there. He's everywhere. Roy Ted. Roy Ted. I don't think we will. I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> they sound drunk to me, and I don't approve of that sort of uh, behavior at the television show. Um, so Ted Lasso won a whole bunch of stuff. If you haven't watched that, I highly recommend it. It's pretty good. You watched The Crown. Said your thing on The Crown is it's... Oh, it's absolutely brilliantly done, and I don't give an S about the royal family. So, I don't care about their struggles. I don't care about their triumphs. I don't care about the loves. I don't care about their losses. I don't care. <laughs> So it's a brilliantly done version of something you don't care about. Correct. So for that reason, you can't watch it.
And then the Queen's Gambit is that that's the the chess playing movie? Yeah, the the cute girl who's a chess wizard movie. Okay, but she's a drunk. Jack likes the pills. Not good. And then The Mandalorian, which was the most nominated show, didn't win any of the big stuff. I'm Spaceman, sure. Helmet, Baby Lizard, good stuff. <laughs> Talking Lizard Child. <laughs> so, there you go. That's our rundown at the Emmys. The only reason I, I ever take in award shows at all is just like a, to give me a hint of what's probably good. Like, I should watch an episode or two of The Crown. It's won so many dang awards, just so I have a sense of its greatness in terms of production values and acting it's like a hundred million dollar movie so todd bensman he's our reporter who's at the border where all those haitians are and thousands and thousands of i think it's up to twelve thousand people underneath that bridge right now and the biden administration's trying to figure out what to do with them our reporters at that location and we will talk to him next armstrong and getty The Armstrong and Getty Show. So, uh, looking up at ABC News, U.S. begins mass deportation of Haitian immigrants. It seems to me that the White House has decided America is not going to like this. We need to do something about this fast, as we checked in on the border Last week, and there were thousands and thousands and thousands of people coming across, and a lot more people came across over the weekend. Absolutely, yeah, the flow continues. You may recall late last week we talked to Todd Bensman, Senior National Security Fellow at the Center for Immigration Studies, also the author of a new book, America's Covert Border War. Todd, welcome back. Uh, we understand you've been uh, further investigating the last several days. What have you learned? Right. Well, I just came back from uh, the Mexican side of this uh, mass, uh, you know, immigration encampment and found that the Biden administration's order to uh, begin deportation flights of Haitians to Haiti has had a very acute impact on the uh, decision making of these Haitians. No way. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it turns out American policy has an influence on how many people come this way. But go on, Todd. It does turn out. It does turn out. And also uh, the other way, because the only reason why all of this is happening is because Biden administration policies have been allowing rewards of legalization for illegal entry in huge numbers. And so, of course, people who see that and hear about it say me too and they join in and that's why we're even here but the anecdote antidote to that is deportation and deterrence and so i'm in a bus station in uh, ciudad acuna last night and saw just dozens and dozens of haitians buying bus tickets for southbound trips out of mexico they're leaving and when i asked them why the answer in every case was, they're deporting us to Haiti. We're out of here. That is wild. Um, not surprising, but, I mean, wild that it, it changed that quickly when word got around, no, it's no longer a uh, a free trip into the United States and we're just going to live there forever, and, and, and things change that fast. Um, That's right. And remember, remember that, you know, uh, 
I've never met a migrant, an immigrant who did not have a cell phone that uh, was fully connected to social media and the internet. So the grapevine is live time. And they were showing me video and photos of Haitians on the tarmac in Port-au-Prince. And they're looking at that and saying, we're out of here. That's hmm. why, that's how that works. And it works the other way too. Here's selfies of me getting into Indiana and Florida uh, for illegally entering. And we're coming for that too. Here's me being deported to uh, Port-au-Prince and we're out of here. Interesting. You know, Todd, the situation's become so severe that even, for instance, the Washington Washington Post is reporting on it semi-honestly. They were talking about how on the Mexican side, the Mexican authorities are really frustrated with the Biden administration because they're, you know, laying out the welcome mat has caused all sorts of chaos and ugliness within Mexico. That is true. The Mexicans, uh, you know, do not... Uh, the Mexicans were asked by the Biden administration and actually paid in gifts to slow the flow, to slow the roll on their southern border. So they they have been playing a kind of game of bureaucratic molasses in with these Haitians down there. Uh, and so there were thousands of them built up. And the Mexicans were, uh, you know, they've had enough of it. They, they The Haitians are a problematic group. They, uh, you know, were causing disruptions. They, you know, were just stuck down there in the Tapachula area. And the Mexicans on Sunday, September 12th, as I reported exclusively, uh, based on interviews with the immigrants in Mexico, on September 12th, the Mexicans just said, okay, you're all free. Go get, go to the boat, get, go to America. And, and that is why we have all of these Haitians crossing in a huge groups like this. The Mexicans released them because they were frustrated at having to uh, hang on to them. And so uh, now they, are, are, of course, are going to be getting them back or some number of them back. Uh, so but the deportations, I don't believe those are going to be widespread or sustained. And the vast majority of the immigrants in that camp are being bussed quietly to secret border patrol locations where they will indeed be uh, processed into the country. I think the mo- majority of them are family units, and the Biden's policy that caused this was to let these family uni- units uh, stay and be rewarded for their illegal uh, entry, and that is going to happen with most of them. That's why that camp is still about ten or 11,000 strong, and everybody's not running, but some of them are running. Wow. Well, we'll stay in touch with you this week because it sounds like the story is far from over. That's yeah, right. Todd, one more question for me, and I ask this question to many guests who are speaking on this topic. When you talk uh, to Border Patrol and, you know, we've seen 1.5 million apprehensions or something like that this year, what percentage of folks do they catch, do they think, and what percentage get through? It's hard to say. Uh, right now, uh, you know, the encounters or the apprehensions are, you know, uh, 1.5 million, and very shortly we'll uh, – become the uh, the most in American history uh, apprehended. But above those numbers, there are probably another 50 to 100 or 150,000 that never get caught, uh, that get right on into the interior and never will be caught or won't be for years and years. Right. And so uh, all right. Uh, Todd, it's a squishy number. Yeah. We appreciate it. Todd Bensman, Senior National Security Fellow, Center for Immigration Studies, got a new book coming out, America's Covert Border War. Thanks for the report, Todd. Good to talk to you.
Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I tweeted a little bit about this yesterday, and uh, there was some uh, strong disagreement uh, among the commenters on the Twitter feed. I try not to read comments, but I was going to say, oh, my God, you dove into comments. I just wondered how people were feeling. And my position, I think, is the same as it's been for a long time. I don't know, you know, how many Haitian families we should bus from the border into what town and all that sort of stuff. Keeping in mind, as always, that none of the power pe- powerful people that allow this to happen are going to have uh, immigrants showing up in their neighborhood. No, no there are no Haitian families or... Uh, you know, a whole bunch of poor, uneducated laborers going to set up camp at the end of their cul-de-sac. That ain't going to happen. Ain't going to be in their school. Okay, right. so uh, that's a little hypocr- little hypocritical for them to be so open with open arms, uh, huddled masses for the rest of the country. Not for where I live. I live behind a gated wall, and we don't allow that sort of thing. But um, I don't. I don't know what the right number is. I don't know how many people we should take in whatever. But you got to have a policy. My my only thing is you got to have a policy. The idea that it's just random. That it's just completely random where people come from, how many we let in, where they go. It's just random is a stupid policy. Absolutely it is. The idea that, you know, tens of thousands of Haitians or, or anybody sneak across the border, well, walk openly across the border and say, here we are, please uh, distribute us into America. And we say, well, gee shucks, I guess we don't have any choice. And then we do it is bizarre. And uh, many years ago. We uh, enunciated the principle that if something seems completely crazy to you, it's probably not crazy. You're just missing a critical piece of information. And I continue to to maintain, I, I will claim and until I'm contradicted, we just want cheap labor and we want somebody to prop up the, the twin pyramid schemes of Social Security and uh, and Medicare. Medicaid, they're running out of money. We need to import millions of young workers. That's the piece of information that explains why our immigration policies are inexplicable. I mean, they're bizarre. It certainly explains it politically, uh, how you get it, because you need both parties to be in on that. And the Wall Street Journal crowd loves that because they need cheap labor. And the Democrats think, though they're turning out to be wrong, that uh, brown people are always going to vote Democrat. And that's not turning out to be the case, but... Maybe if that ends, maybe then Democrats will all of a sudden be the party of, we need to stop illegal immigration. If it turns yeah, out more and more That doesn't Hispanic. answer the Social Security thing, though, man. I'm True. telling you. True that. True that. Anyway, text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We will be charging four counts of first-degree murder. Standing off to the side, apparently translating every word, this woman. But it turns out, much of what she was signing was nonsense. She waved her arms around like she was singing Jingle Bells, says one outraged sign language expert. The woman, identified as Derlin Roberts, has a string of arrests for fraud. So how did she come to be translating at last week's high-profile police news conference? I just didn't ask enough questions. Tampa Police Public Information Officer Steve Hegarty told me the woman simply showed up out of the blue and offered her services. (laughs) I'll I'll tell you how it happens so often. Because the whole, we're going to have somebody sign all this stuff, is a virtue signaling thing that accomplishes practically nothing. I'll bet the number of deaf people who benefit from that is... Close to nobody. 
It is deaf people who cannot lip read effectively and have no closed captioning capabilities on their TV no, it's a- just, and care. It's it's merely a nobody's got the guts to say, hey, this isn't accomplishing anything, so let's stop paying for it. That's how so often people can randomly just sign whatever the hell because nobody's paying any attention. Right. Right. So coming up, and uh, you're going to be tempted to jab at the dial. You're going to think, all right, these two halfwits and their merry band of idiots, I've had enough. But (laughs) I I beg of you, I beg of you, stay tuned. There is actually an update on Nicki Minaj's cousin's friend with the swollen fellas. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's that's pretty darned interesting. Um, In fact, yeah, it's absolutely worth staying tuned for. So stay with us. Uh, a couple of stories that merit probably about 30 seconds to a minute each. First of all, you remember AOC getting uh I do outfitted. remember her. <laughs> no, there's more. Uh, do you remember when she was getting fitted into that sexy, sexy tax the rich dress for the Met Gala? If you've seen the pictures, she, uh, gorgeous, uh, there in the dress with the designer putting the final touches on it, surrounded by bemasked servants even though she the rich the powerful the and the designer gal had no masks on it's just an interesting sort of class structure division picture and it turns out this tax the rich gal and oh they're coming up with a coming out with a big line of tax the rich clothing but it's going to be a big profit center and i congratulate them on that that's that's free enterprise i don't care um this gal, this designer, owes over a hundred thousand yeah. dollars in back tax, back taxes. I saw Has that. been accused of being a rent deadbeat and running a sweatshop of unpaid interns and immigrant people. Yeah, she has a number of LLCs, which is you, you do to avoid trying to pay taxes, which is fine. I'm all for it within the law, under the law. You try to lessen your tax burden. She tries to lessen her tax burden, like everybody else does. Of course, she does. Yeah, and then and then then her in particular, even when she's got taxes to pay, she doesn't pay them. That's hilarious. So uh, in the big t- tax the rich dress for AOC, right? Right. Whatever. Exactly. Yeah, I know. Uh, another story, completely different. A judge in L.A. County Superior Court issued a second arrest warrant for one Darren Agee Marager, age 52. He failed to appear at a previous hearing for six felony charges of indecent exposure in connection with a previous case at a West Hollywood swimming pool. This guy followed in the footsteps of the first transgender person, allegedly, at that wee spa in Los Angeles. You remember this fracas? Some... He has a penis. It's a dude, okay? Some dude who says, I identify as a woman, disrobed in front of women and little girls at this spa. The L.A. Times has lost its mind, wrote that editorial. Transgender people have rights, too. Well, this guy followed on the footsteps of the first guy and went in and showed his wang to women and little girls. He's a registered sex offender in California, two prior convictions of indecent exposure, identifies as a woman, but he, uh, law enforcement sources say that's just a ruse to get into no. women's only areas. No. Yes, and he has exposed his erect unit to four women and a minor girl. Yeah, I know. It's unbelievable. Hey, L.A. Times, go ahead. Write another editorial. Explain to us how we're unenlightened monsters who don't, because we don't want little girls exposed to grown men pleasuring themselves. Sometimes, sometimes as I'm making these arguments, I think, am I asleep? Is this a dream, a bad dream? How can anybody, much less a formerly well-respected newspaper, make that argument with a straight face? 
Just crazy. Hey, Michael, what's the breaking news you had around uh, the uh, the Landry family? Yeah, the following? FBI is now ex- executing a search warrant at the Landry home. So they're going to the boyfriend's home, and they brought out the parents, and they're gonna they consider it a crime scene. It's uh, like dirty clothes, pronounced laundry. Laundry. Again, my name is Laundry. I changed my name, but that's huh. really not relevant to the, the story. The TV I was watching said Landry, but it doesn't. Really? I don't. I don't care about that. Laundry. Um, they found her body, Gabby's body, over the weekend. So uh, somebody killed her, and most likely the son. But so Fox's headline on it. The reason I ask you, Michael, is because I wondered what you saw. Fox also said they they considered it a crime scene, the parents' house. Is a what? In what way would the parents' house be a crime scene, fitting in with our theories? Uh, accessory after the fact, that's aiding and abetting sure. his escape. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the obvious. God, Although, what kind well, of parent helps their kid cover up a murder? You know, a, a lawman I'm sure could tell us immediately. But if evidence of a crime is transported to a place, does that place become a crime scene? I mean, if he has clothes covered with blood or, or God help us, what else? whatever else, is that a crime scene? Maybe that's what they mean. I can see how if your adult kid committed a horrible crime, you'd at least have a second or so of how can I help him get out of this? But just a second, maybe. And then you realize we got to we got to deal with what happened here. Right. Right. You know, I'll be curious to hear if we ever do uh, the details of, of what happened, although we only have one side of the argument uh, alive at this point, as far as we know. Um, whether it was, you know, something physical that got crazy or whether it was premeditated or what, because we don't know. So a number of people, since we're on the topic, and when this news broke yesterday that they'd found her uh, remains. Gabby and, Petito, if you're following the story. And... uh uh, I was following more Twitter comments. That's just a terrible idea. Only, only if you want to make yourself insane. Uh, but I was following a lot of the, the the Twitter conversation on that, and a lot of people are angry as they always are with these stories of uh, they were they were posting um, like black women, Hispanic women that have disappeared, and their boyfriends or husbands or whatever are suspected, and how those stories never become national phenomenon. And somebody was making the point, and this is absolutely true in our current age. If a story rises to a certain level, America will figure it out because we just have so many eyes and ears on social media and everybody's got a phone and a recorder and everything like that. Somebody will have seen something. If a story rises to a certain level of everybody's following it, it can get wow. you could. Uh, what, what do you call that? Um, crowdsource. You can crowd. You can crowdsource fun of uh, solve practically any crime in America. Because you just got so many people involved. There'll be somebody say, oh, yeah, I was at the airport. I saw that guy walking. I mean, you know, just whatever. But there's no mechanism for what, which of these stories catches on. And for whatever reason, attractive, and you have to throw in attractive, too. Because unattractive white women disappear, and their stories don't get elevated either. It's not just a color thing. Right, right. Um, I'm picturing like a, and, and I'm not I'm not trying to be funny, a Friday night America's Missing show, and they spend, you know, seven, eight minutes, an hour-long show, seven, eight minutes on four or five different people who are missing. I don't know, maybe, you know, that would be enough. 
It was the crowdsourcing of this one. It was the, the, the couple that was vacationing and saw that van. They're from Florida, and then they saw a van with Florida plates. Oh, wow, we're thousands of miles from Florida. That's interesting. And then they, they, they took video while they are driving around, they, and then they remembered that van when they heard about this story. It was crowdsourced. If it were not at the, the level of national media mm-hmm. talking about her disappearance, uh, they wouldn't have ever thought twice about that van. Yeah, interesting. If only it was in time to save that uh, poor girl's life. But, yeah, I just I, I just don't think there's any way to f- fix this. I was going to say problem. What's that? Is it a that problem? people get hot to trot for an attractive white girl? Yeah, and, and, and nobody else. I you mean, know, I, I'd love it if we could crowdsource solve more crimes. I just don't know how you you get everybody's attention. I'd love it if you could do it the way you said. Okay, this week, America, we're going to focus on this one. This 11-year-old girl who disappeared, here's the guy we suspect, here's her, here's what she was wearing, let's figure it out. But it doesn't work that way. I'm going to go a little 30,000 feet on you uh, for just a minute. I was just about to go into a story about some of the uh, just awful requirements of masking two-year-olds in in preschools and on planes and this little kid on a plane is having an asthma attack oh and, yeah god that's a and, terrible story and and, and uh, this child and her mother forced off a plane by an idiot i mean just a 2 year old a 2 year old and i think it has to do with the illusion of control that so many people have in the modern world they think if they don't like something number 1 they should be able to change it and two they should utilize whatever means they can to change it. Um, you know, I mentioned one of my favorite quotes of the last 20 years I've heard was a German journalist talking to a, an American journalist who said, you Americans think you can solve everything or fix everything. And the illusion of control extends to what you were talking about. 350 million people. If a pretty white girl goes missing, they're interested. You can't control that. That's just the way it is. Now, are, are black people more interested in a, a young black girl? Does she have to be pretty? Whatever. It just is. It's humans. Quit thinking you're going to change humanity in some major way through selective, you know, TV programming. Why is it? Because it is. Just deal with it. Partly, it's critical mass. There are... You know, I don't know what the figures are anymore, but there's hundreds of millions of white people in the country. Birds of a feather flock together. There's no excuse for racism, denying anybody of their rights. But if white people just are, for whatever reason, intrinsically more interested in pretty white girls who disappear, except that. Well, uh, the cops are at his parents' house, and if we get any details on that, we'll tell you about it. Yeah, he's either dead or headed for jail for the rest of his days, that's for sure. Uh, We're currently having almost 2,000 people a day die of uh, COVID. Never thought we'd have numbers like that again, but about almost 2,000 people a day. Yeah, I probably ought to jump in here and point out this is not a rerun from 2020. This is September 20th of 2021. Yeah, dang near 2,000 a day on average. Oof. Uh, That's something. Uh, I got a question for you about the hospitalizations of children, though. I've got to throw out there. I know you're oh. tired. Of, I just I have to throw it out. I okay. must be wrong about something. I must be wrong because nobody else has mentioned what I'm mentioning. And it won't take long. I'll get to the Nicki Minaj thing next segment. <laughs> you're talking about Nicki Minaj's cousin's God. friend's testicle? Indirectly. From, from another country? You know, his body parts don't actually factor into the latest update. Not Not much. Well, a little. All right. All that on the way. Armstrong and Getty. 
The Armstrong and Getty Show. So I'm eating way too much. My weight is way up. I've instituted a plan of setting a timer for one hour after my first real hunger pang. And only then can I eat. This Mm. is exciting. I have a serious hunger pang. An hour from now, you will hear this alarm go off. Which means I am allowed to eat. Stay with us for the exciting moment. That's interesting. (laughs) That you use pig noises for that. Yes, absolutely. Well, it's only self-loathing and self-kicking that gets me motivated, so go with what works. Nicki Minaj update, believe it or not. And you have something good coming up, too, I remember. Yeah, probably. Okay. Anyway, uh, Andy No just tweeted, Guard The Guardian. Do you ever want to read that, uh, the, the online news site? They have... Um, Uh, It's interesting. He exposed one of their journalists had been texting, somehow got the number of Nicki Minaj's cousin, who has a friend who allegedly had swollen testicles. Mm, Sorry to hear that. Because of the uh, coronavirus vaccine, COVID-19 vaccine. And uh, the Guardian wants comments and wants to interview the guy. And so Andy... Uh, somehow got hold of the texts because Nicki Minaj, okay, Nicki Minaj posted these texts. Here's what the Guardian texted the cousin. Um, Hi, my name is uh, Charlene Rampersad. I'm with Guardian Media. I was hoping to speak with you for an article. Would that be possible? Just text and hammering them with texts. I know you're hesitant to speak with us, but just letting you know, CNN is in the country looking for you. And when they find you, they won't hesitate to reveal where you live or where your girlfriend lives. Anything and anyone who's tied to you. If you speak to me, we won't reveal those details. So what do you say? So in other words, the Guardian reporter is threatening this guy with being doxxed internationally. Wow. To get him to interview, be interviewed. If if you want to know something about modern media. Wow. That's unbelievable. Something. Then speaking of media figures, Glenn Greenwald tweeted Partly in reference to that, but other things, too. The Nicki Minaj episode last week was a deeply revealing window into so many of the key dynamics of U.S. discourse, culture, power, media, and politics. And I thought her response to criticism for tweeting a Tucker Carlson clip was pretty powerful. Tucker was very sympathetic to her and her cousin and her cousin's friend with the unfortunate medical condition. Nicki retweeted the video, said, yeah, he's right. And she got murdered. Just blasted, buried hundreds of thousands of bitter I hate you comments because she dared quote Tucker Carlson, right? Wow. So she tweets, and this is Nicki Minaj, curvaceous sex kitten rapper gal who I've never really taken seriously. Just I'm not into that music. I don't dismiss her, I just don't care. Um, she wrote, she tweeted, right. I can't speak to, agree with, or even look at someone from a particular political party. People aren't human anymore. If you're black and a Democrat tells you to shove marbles up your blank, you simply have to. If another party tells you to look out for that bus, just stand there and get hit. Wow, that's pretty good. That is really good. You know, keeping in mind she's a professional writer, you know, writes the rap music. Good for you, Nikki. You're not a sheep. Black pe- Conservatives don't think black people are sheep. We think you're adults, Americans, capable of independent thought and forming your own opinions. I think you are a fully 100% p- 
powerful American human and equal to anybody on Earth. And according to the left, that makes me a racist. So go figure. So here's where is, I, I must be wrong about this because I'm the only person I've heard say it. And so I must be missing something. So start with this. Uh, one of your blue checkmark uh, lefty journalists tweeted out over the weekend, almost 500,000. That's the number of children diagnosed with COVID in the first two weeks of September. Then a blue check mark on the other side of politics tweeted, retweeted that saying, yeah, you're off by a factor of two. So they went into the CDC data, so it's half as much as they claimed. Um, but uh, And talking about how many retweets and likes that that original completely erroneous tweet had gotten. But that person, nor have I heard anybody else bring this up. Am I wrong about this? Because this is happening in my own real life. My kids had never been tested for COVID ever. They started school, and I'm sure that's true for a lot of their friends. Sure, of course. Yeah. They started school at the beginning of September. Now they all get tested every single week. And I think that's true all across the country. So all these kids that had never been tested are now in school where they get tested every single week. Now, am I wrong that that's going to just make the number of children diagnosed with COVID explode? I mean, seriously, I'm honestly asking because I haven't heard anybody else make this point right, left, or center. It seems obvious to me of course it is that that explosion in the number of cases is because schools started and schools are testing everybody every week yeah if you never go looking for redheaded people in your town and then you start looking for them all the time and report a giant increase in the number of redheaded people you're an idiot (laughs) not only that jack but another key point is that in the vast 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 majority of cases those kids are going to be perfectly fine they're going to have the sniffles maybe and they are now vaccinated for free they have natural immunity so viewing that as a tragedy is don't crazy i don't know if i'm missing something hit me on the text line 415-295-kftc to me that explains what's going on with the rise in at least testing positive among kids if you miss a segment or hour of the armstrong and getty show you can get it via podcast armstrongandgetty.com armstrong and getty